Happy May, everybody. We're in the month of May. And for some reason, I still am not receiving consistent temperatures above 15 degrees. What did I do to deserve this milk toast weather? In the words of Public Enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. FIFM Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. I I hate it. I, I'm, I'm sick of this 10 degree, 12 degree. It's actually 10 degrees because there's a wind. I'm sick of this. It's literally been like this for nearly a month. I'm 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 done with it. I'm I'm literally done with it. I'm sick of it. I hate hate just middling weather i hate middling weather i do not know what to do with middling weather like 15 degrees above above right <clears throat> I, I can work with that you know what i mean t-shirt hoodie boom done right it's calm if it's raining obviously you know uh, uh i don't know sweater coat boom done you, you could do it you could do everything in two layers regardless of what the weather is if it's raining obviously you put a coat on right if it's not raining hoodie t-shirt boom done right but and you know on the flip side right this is so this is the most british start to a podcast once again right when you get to the when you get to the other side and also first world let's be real like when you get to the other side right less than 10 degrees coat a couple of layers under that you know i mean adjusting for you know just how how comfortable you feel in cold weather for me i need at least like three layers like including that includes coat um so yeah you know that's that's fine you can work with that you know it's cold right but that middling weather where it's 10 12 13 degrees you uh, you don't know what the fuck to do with it you don't know if like the wind's gonna make it colder than it actually is right yeah it's it's not it's not that hot enough for for you know the two to uh, you know shirt hoodie combo for me personally right I, it's so middling I hate it it's so frustrating it's absolutely frustrating because I just don't know what to do and most of the time I just get caught out in some fashion it just pisses me off I don't like it I just hate it it's, it's annoying it's it's another thing to be concerned about but. And let's be real, um, the fact that it is May and still haven't reached 20 degree weather is a commentary on something, right? <laughs> There's a commentary on something there, right? That's that's abnormal, right? It has to be, right? Uh, there's something there. I, I don't know what... I'm not a climatologist, but... I feel like there's something there, and uh, yeah, so... I'm just gonna continue on my day, <laughs> so... Alright, anyway... Apart from that, I'm doing okay, can't complain... <laughs> <laughs> um, I have actually bought a uh, a 4K webcam, and before you go, whoa, how much did that cost? Not as much as you think. Not as much as you think. When you when you when you go look up webcams, right? This is how I did it, and everyone I've told about this, right? They were, I told them how much I got it for, and they were like, hmm, "It's not bad, you know." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, right? Not that bad for a future, literally future proofing." In in that case, like you know, obviously not everything supports 4K. But at some point it will, right? At some point everything will. So you know, it's, it's future proofing, and I feel like for something that's 150 quid, I feel like that's just a steal. I feel like that's that's just an absolute steal. Um, I think it's called a Logitech Brio, something like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's decent. It, it, I haven't got it yet, but you know, it's it's decent price compared to the other webcams that are always like you know 1080p and then do the exact same stuff as as the others, like. You know why? Why not? Like it's a couple. It's literally like twenty, thirty quid more than you know the regular twenty ten eighty p webcams. You know I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, simple math for me. I was just like, well, it's only a couple quid more. Then what's the what's might as well just future proof and go all out. You know what I mean? So you know, I didn't get a DSLR or anything like you know some people do. That's usually the way for a lot of people. I didn't do that, but you know, four K webcam, take it. It's all good. Bang that order in. Add to basket. I thought that was a pretty good deal, so um, 
yeah. And also I'm uh, decorating uh, the face side of my room, basically the side of my room that I can see, and what the f- <laughs> and what like stuff like the webcam and other things can't, which is just funny to me. Because uh, behind me, like obviously people, I don't know how many people actually care about you know quite great Zoom rooms, but um, I'm I'm not one of those people that camp that much. So literally behind me is just my my curtain and my bed. <laughs> this is great. But everything else behind the webcam is like you know just decent art pieces and posters and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, I got on one of them. Um, you know, I just got a 3D printed um, uh, just a vinyl holder, so to speak. So you just like pop it on the wall. Um, and then you can put your vinyl on it. So I thought, since I've got vinyl, and you know, some of them look really good, I'll just pop them on there, and you know, just if they're going to sit there, I might as well have them sit there on the wall. You know what I mean? Just have some, so have some aesthetics. Um, so that's going to be fun to get. Uh, going to get in a couple of days, but yeah, apart from that, pretty solid, pretty solid. Things are going pretty well. Uh, we are premi- well, not premiering, but we are going to talk about at the end of the pod. New podcast alert. Do 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 do. So that's going to be fun, going to enjoy that one. Uh, but we also have uh, film, TV, uh, sports and life topic to get through. So let's do that. Formats before we begin. Email to IG, Discord link, all that, all that, all that in the full show notes. Uh, please go read the, please go peep the links of the articles. Give them a read for yourself. Support the people who wrote them in that fashion. Uh, in, in <sighs> What am I talking about there? Drop the beat. Let's get into the show. In a week where Germany is first to hand back Benin bronzes looted by the British, shout out to Germany, uh, many sports social media accounts participate in a collective blackout to highlight racism. Yeah. I don't know if I work, guys. You know what I mean? I, 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 don't, I don't know about it. Like, it's just, it's cool. You know what I mean? It gets the message out, and I, I, I don't know, man. Like, until you, until there's like, you know, genuine, like, I don't know, rule changes. I mean, we've talked about it several times, haven't we? So, you know, I, think, I feel like it's just more just grandstanding, I guess, in some ways. I'm just like looking for the actual results to come through. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates filed for, filed for, or for divorce and I found this fascinating I found the tweet, I came across this tweet at the same, uh, around the time it, uh, the news came through and they were like um, you know, this isn't for us Like, this is for the markets, to calm the markets down and I was like, that's actually mad fascinating and really fucking scary, think about that so literally, the fact that they're divorcing has like genuine impact on like you know world international charity obviously they have their own foundation that's very active like this is genuine like can genuinely change shit which the fact that two people divorcing actually changes shit apart from their own personal lives is absolutely fucking mental to me uh, India's COVID cases passes 20 million um, I think I saw another uh, headline that said like um uh, half of half of all COVID cases at the moment are, are from India, nearly half, and I was just like, oh, "Raw, that's a bit mad." And uh, lastly, came through today as a record. Facebook continues to ban Donald Trump from their platforms, which is, I mean, I mean, Donald Trump. To be honest, you're, you're having a favor done to you. Like Facebook is not the wave. Okay, just kill Facebook, get off it. They're doing you a favor. To be completely honest, you your life will twofold in quality now that you are on Facebook I can attest to that um and it's funny I don't know if you guys have seen uh, but he actually has his own like kind of like feed now I, I forgot what the site is called but uh, it's so great it just looks like something from uh 2008 it's just it's just a glorious site <laughs> it's just wonderful um all right so let's start with uh let's well start with the depressing one let's start with Noel Clark um so yeah man don't know if you guys have seen this news. Um, if you're obviously um, privy to who Noel Clark is, we'll get into that in a bit. If you don't, um, caught via the Guardian in some ways. Uh, shout to Siren Kale and Lucy Osborne via the Guardian came out with this bombshell uh, piece and have uh, and uh, dropped a couple more pieces since then. Uh, one linking to BAFTA as well. Uh, this is called Sexual Predator, actor Noel Clark accused of groping, harassment, and bullying by 20 women. And this is literally just scratching the surface. Like, this is the official report, right? But there have been 
a fuck ton of testimonials um, to this. A couple of them you'll hear on here. Um, and yeah, it's just crazy to think. This is absolutely mad uh, to think about. And uh, really, I don't know. Um, it, uh, well, I'll get, I'll get to, I'll get into the other side, another side of it uh, after this. Um, so it started with the article. <clears throat> When Noel Clark appeared on stage at the Royal Albert Hall on 10th April to collect his BAFTA, the typically self-assured actor looked a little on edge. Viewers may have concluded that Clark was simply overwhelmed. He was clutching one of the most prestigious accolades bestowed by the British Academy of Film and Television Arts, the prize for outstanding British contribution to cinema. But there were other reasons why Clark and BAFTA may have felt preoccupied. Thirteen days before presenting Clark with his award, a Guardian investigation can reveal BAFTA was informed about the existence of several allegations of verbal abuse, bullying, and sexual harassment against Clark. BAFTA does not dispute it received anonymous emails and reports of allegations via intermediaries, but uh, yeah, I said that right, intermediaries, but said it was provided with no evidence that would allow it to investigate. Clark also became aware of the allegations, which he vehemently denies, as he stepped off the stage. He stepped on the stage holding his gong. Uh, is that what they called it, a gong? Okay, that's interesting. Um, Clark's reputation remained publicly unblemished, not just as an actor, producer, screenwriter and director, but one who could now claim to be one of British film and television's most lauded stars. Yet BAFTA deci- BAFTA's decision to venerate Clark moved numerous women to break their silence. They allege Clark is a serial abuser of women, using his power in the industry to prey, and prey on and harass female colleagues and sometimes bully those who fall out of favour. The Guardian has spoke to all uh, 20 women, all of whom knew Clark in a professional capacity. They variously accuse him of uh, sexual harassment, unwanted touching or groping, sexually inappropriate behaviour and comments on set. <coughs> Uh, professional misconduct, taking and sharing sexually explicit pictures and videos without consent, and bullying between 2004 and 2019. Fuck. That's a long... <clears throat> Man, that's a long... 2004 and 2019. Jesus Christ. Clark said in a statement, quote, In a 20-year career, I have put inclusivity and diversity at the forefront of my work and never had a complaint made against me. If anyone who has welcomed me has ever felt uncomfortable or disrespected, I sincerely apologise. I vehemently deny any sexual misconduct or wrongdoing and intend to defend myself against these false allegations, unquote. Through his lawyers, Clark categorically denied every allegation that The Guardian put to him, bar one, excepting he made inappropriate comments about one woman for which he later apologised, but denying the rest of her complaints. In a 29-page letter, his lawyers said he categorically denies all of the other allegations from all 20 women, in some cases questioning their credibility. They deny their client is a serial sexual predator. BAFTA confirmed in a statement that, following its March 29th announcement that it planned to give Clark the award, it received, quote-unquote, anonymous emails and reports of allegations by intermediaries, but no evidence was provided. Lawyers for BAFTA said the charity had no duty to investigate Clark, but, in any case, it was uh, never given any information to enable it to do so, and at no stage was it in a position where it could even begin to consider investigating. Quote, We take this matter extremely seriously, BAFTA added. We encourage the people who contacted us to report the matter to the appropriate authorities and also engage an independent victim support expert to provide them with professional advice and the support remains in place. We will continue to review this matter and we should and should any allegations be sustained, we will take appropriate action. After this article was published, BAFTA updated a statement, quote, in light of Guardian's piece, which for BAFTA provided the first time for the first time detailed accounts outlining serious allegations regarding Noel Clark's conduct, we have immediately suspended the award and Noel Clark's membership of BAFTA until further notice, unquote. So a little bit about Noel Clark, if you aren't aware who who Noel Clark, Noel Clark is. Um, Clark is one of the most prolific actors and filmmakers in the UK. True hit films, to Kiddlehood, Adulthood and Brotherhood were celebrated for their portrayal of inner city life and grossed £8.6 million. Clark writes, executive producers and stars alongside Ashley Walters in Bulletproof, one of Sky's biggest shows. Series 4 is in pre-production. His company, Unstoppable Film and Television, has produced more than 10 films in addition to Bulletproof and the Channel 5 drama The Drowning. He is on the BAFTA's Influential Film Committee and is a member for IT mentor for ITV, bringing him into contact with young aspiring screenwriters. Only this week, Clark has been starring in ITV's new flagship prime time drama Viewpoint, airing each evening from Monday to Friday. 
Gina Powell worked for Clark as a producer between... Uh, so this is where we get some testimonials. Uh, Gina Powell, wor- who worked for Clark as a producer between September 2014 and March 2017, producing Brotherhood, she told The Guardian that Clark would constantly harass her on one occasion, telling her that when he hired her, he had planned, quote-unquote, to fuck her and fire her before deciding to keep her on. She also alleges that Clark would brag about storing sexually explicit pictures and videos on his hard drive, including footage he told her he had secretly filmed during naked auditions. Uh, Powell says Clark once showed her a secretly recorded video of one such audition with uh, Je- Johanna James, an actor in Brotherhood. Powell told four other people, uh, four people about Clark's alleged secret filming, all of whom confirmed the conversation to The Guardian. They include James, her friend, whom she told about the incident in the winter of 2017 in a pub in South London. The naked audition had taken place more than four years previously for the film Legacy. Powell was able to describe the exact haircut James had at the time. Her hair is unusually long and blonde, but after a quote-unquote hair disaster, she had cropped it short and returned to her natural brown. James recalls Clark had talked her into auditioning for the role. She had been hesitant. She was only 23 and fresh out of drama school, but Clark persuaded her, explained that the naked audition wouldn't be filmed. An email from her agent confirmed this agreement, quote, I was told 100% it was not going to be on camera. Uh, James says, uh, as she understood it, the naked audition was purely to check she could do the scene and wasn't going to, quote-unquote, bottle it on the day. Oh, this is grimy. This is absolutely grimy. And for those who are in, in acting circles, um, you know, I've had, I've seen some, you know, actors obviously respond to this. Um, uh, most notably, people like Michaela Cole and Ashley Walters. And uh, the last one I want to talk about is Adam Deacon, but that's, um, I, I want to save that for last. Um, but um, yeah, this is, but for, for those who don't know, Naked Auditions isn't a common thing. Um, it's it's not, it's, it's not common. Um, so yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. The audition was mortifying, James recalls, and afterwards she pulled out of the running for the role. She didn't want uh, one of her first acting jobs to be nude. The Guardian spoke to two friends of Powell and James, who were also present in the pub that day, and recalled the emotional exchange. Quote, I was so upset, James recalls, now years later I still cry when I talk about it, unquote. Clark denies ever covertly filming naked auditions or sharing such footage with Powell, a casting director who was present at James' audition, James's audition said there were absolutely no way Clark would have covertly filmed it, even without her knowledge. He's always been a good guy, she said. Mm, so uh, interesting hearsay on this front, isn't it? Until there, I mean, if there's if there's video, then there's video. You know what I mean? But it's a bit of hearsay on that one. Uh, the Guardian also contacted uh, others who worked with Clark, uh, who either de- either declined to comment or spoke positively of him. They include a makeup artist who said she had, quote-unquote, a really great working relationship with Noel on the projects they had worked on together and an actor who su- who said suggestions of misconduct did not tally her uh, with her experiences of Clark, whom she described as, a as quote-unquote, generous and supportive. Others said Clark was supportive of his fellow actors, but at times sought to exploit their relationships. Clark helped James get into drama school when she was 22 and secured a discount on her fees. After she finished it in summer 2012, she says Clark joked about going upstairs to have sex in a hotel when they were meeting. She believes she and other alleged victims were young and naive when Clark gave them professional opportunities and, quote, that's why this has taken so long to come out, unquote. Powell and James were initially... Uh, reticent, I think that's the word, reticent about making public accusations against a man they believe will consider power in the industry. Put put a major pin in that one, a major pin in that little bit. Uh, Despite this, Powell and James and several of the women uh, the Guardian spoke to have agreed to go on the record with their real names, hoping that doing so will uh, will ensure they are believed. Others, including well-known actors, wish to remain anonymous. Their pseudonyms are marked with an asterisk, uh, their pseudonyms, uh, da, da, da. the women work at almost every level of the filmmaking hierarchy and represent uh, a range of races and ethnicities. Okay. Uh, quote, I want people to know because I hear the idea that he can secretly film young actresses who have no idea that they're not supposed to be getting naked in auditions and go on to get a BAFTA, says James. According to numerous accounts, Clark showed colleagues sexually explicit photos and videos of women or implied he had access to them. 
he is also accused of unsolicited sharing of sexually explicit images. Through his lawyers, Clark designed... Okay, this is a bit of a repetitive uh, bit, so let me just continue just a little bit to the next paragraph. Uh, the Norwegian film producer Sin... I think that's how you say it. Sin Selvit, Seltvit, uh, met Clark in July 2015. She is friends with Powell from film school. Powell introduced her to Clark at the private members club uh, Soho House in London, where Unstoppable held business meeting. Uh, the production company, I assume. Uh, Clark and a friend had VIP tickets to a, US, a UFC uh, fight in Glasgow and invited Powell and Selfit. Uh, at the part of the after party, Selfit says Clark smacked her buttocks. Quote, I didn't like that, unquote. Um, on July 25th, 23rd of July 2015, Selfit sent an email from her production company account thanking him for the weekend, expressing interest in working in one day. Clark replied from his unstoppable account, great meeting you. He said... Would love to work with you one day. And the second email ride also sent you some Snapchats. Have a look. Mm. When Selvi checked her Snapchat, uh, Clark had sent her a picture of a naked erect penis. <sighs> I I I feel, I feel like I feel like if I stopped, like at, I sent you Snapchats. Have a look. I feel like you guys could have easily guessed what was gonna come through, but. Anyway, uh, let me just um, get into a little bit because this is a very stacked, stacked article. I'm I'm literally like not even halfway through. So guys, please read the remainder of this article. I just, I'll just finish up this particular testimonial um, and then I'll fin- a cap off uh, cap off with that. But Jesus Christ, there is so many here. There is literally. St- I'm I'm not even halfway. I'm I'm being dead serious. Uh, where was I at? Okay, Clark denies he uh, slapped Selvit's backside and said he did not recall uh, sending her an unsolicited picture of his penis. His lawyer said it was highly unlikely that Clark would have shared such an image. Selvit showed the Guardian the copy of the dick pic, which was labelled as having been shared with her by Clark. Another woman to accuse Clark of inappropriate uh, sharing of images is Aiva. Uh, give me a second. Sabah Liao Skate. Sabah Liao Skate. Uh, a production assistant on Brotherhood at the Rat Party on 21st of December 2015. Uh, Sabah Liao Skate. I, I'm trying to... I need to say it a few times just to get it uh, solid. Sabah Liao Skate. Uh, was on the dance floor showing colleagues her abilities as a former gymnast, including doing the splits. The next day, Sabli Skate uh, saw Clark in the production office, surrounded by a group of people. They were sniggering and looking at me, she says. Uh, Sabli Skate says uh, Clark was showing them a photo he had taken of her in a compromised position, her underwear visible. Three other witnesses told The Guardian they recall Clark boasting about his photograph of her. Uh, she says uh, she remembers the image of her knickers on Clark's phone so clearly that she, quote-unquote, could draw it. She feel she recalls feeling mortified. Quote, it was kind. It's kind of a massive humiliation. Unquote. Okay, I'm gonna stop there for the sake of time. But literally, guys, not even halfway through this entire article, it is absolutely stacked. It is literally a a lot of detail. Like these are specific dates. Like I don't. I mean, you know, innocent until proven guilty kind of thing, right? But Jesus Christ, dates like full on dates. Are you going to give times and like, it, you know what I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Um, the last thing I wanted to um, highlight um, is, a tw- is, the, is the comments by Adam Deacon. And the reason I wanted to bring this up as a final, um, because obviously, just to say, right, this is obviously all about um, the fact that, you know, there's 20 women and let's be real, there might be more. There easily could be more. Um, if, if it's 20 why couldn't it not be more? You know what I mean. Um, but I wanted to get into this. Um, what um, uh, what Adam Deacon said because uh, if you guys are not aware of um, Adam Deacon, uh, obviously uh, worked with Noel Clark through several things, um, including the Kidhood Adulthood um, series, and went on to do his own film Anotherhood, which is obviously like a parody of you know the films. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, have seen Adam Deacon since, but it's been a while since, um, you know, Adam Deacon's actually been, you know, doing stuff, um, uh, well, it, 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 I would say, I would say, I would say in the, uh, in the public eye, right, let's just say that, because obviously I'm assuming, I'm assuming he's been doing stuff, but there was a, um, there was a time a couple of years ago where 
Deacon went on wax to say that, you know, Noel Clark basically blackballed me. And uh, he was, and I'm, 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 and here we go, this is the article actually, it's called uh, The Strange Sad Story of Andrew Deacon, uh, I started thinking will I act, ever act again, and he basically talks about how he was basically broken and went into like social, um, not social, um, what's the word, uh, uh, mental health issues, um, and it was a lot, but people, I don't, I don't think people believed him um, at that point, um, but I think now definitely people are believing him. Um, I can't find his. Uh, I can't find his thing anymore. I don't think he's on Twitter anymore. What? What? Um, yeah. So there was a Adam Deacon did provide a um, uh, a uh, what's the word? Um, a basically a testimonial saying like you know basically what I'm saying, but uh, I can't seem to find it. That's a bit annoying. Anyway, but yeah. I'll finish it there, a uh, bit of a trap note to be honest, I really wanted to read the whole thing, but uh, yeah, the testimonials that are coming out, um, it's called, including like stuff people like uh, uh, Vanessa van der Pouye, who's, um, who acted with uh, Noel Clark on Bulletproof, um, you know, she uh, delivered a really heartfelt, uh, well not heartfelt, I don't think that's the right word, but a very impassioned um, response, um, it took her a couple of days, uh, she said on, on uh, Instagram last time I checked, um, and you know, she's been, she's had those experiences. She's talked about those experiences. Um, and yeah, that's just the harrowing thing about this that, um, you know, obviously there's people that say, oh, no, clocks are, you know, real stand up guy, real stand up guy, right? But that's not the point. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, you could be a stand up guy to some people and a complete dick to others, right? We're, we're all like that in some ways, but this is extreme. Um, the harassment and the levels of it as well, the like the sexual harassment, the just the bullying, the clear humiliation of people. Like this is just there's so many levels to this, um, um, and it's just a bit disgusting. And it's highly unfortunate that it happened. To, it, that is by someone who is so loved in the film community. Like like this 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 guy's an OG in a lot of ways, and it's just a bit it's it's disgusting. And um, di- really, really, really disappointing that um, this is this is the guy that you know um, is doing this. It's it's just um, it's just really, really, really disappointing that of all people had to be him. Like it just it's just it's just disappointing and really just black eyes a lot of things that has gone on in the past fifteen so years. All that progress. And it just feels, I don't know, tainted. And uh, that's a real, a real, a real shame. So we move on to sport. Um, and I just want to uh, pin this apart by just saying that I was going to do a live topic, and I did have a live topic about the Jane Austen Museum, um, but New York Times decided to paywall me. So, congratulations, New York Times. And I say this knowing that New York Times is the most, uh, 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 I don't know what you want to call it, the most popular um, online news source. Um, Literally, I just saw, I think, like a visual... Uh, graph about just like how much subscribers they actually have and it's actually quite staggering like the lead they have um, but still thanks thanks NYT cheers that was great so no life topic ladies and gentlemen I'm sorry and uh, we just have three for this week I, we, we just have three so that's, that's all that's all it is uh, I can't do anything about it can't be asked um, well I can't do I can do something about it but I can't be asked. There we go. Let's, let's be real about it. Let's keep it real, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just more time for the last topic, I guess. That's fine by me. Um, so, with that said, we'll hop on to sport. And I don't know if you guys remembered last week. I think it was last week where you know, I introed the show by uh, saying that, uh, you know, the Logan Paul flowing over the fight is a grift. And uh, you guys should not spend any time uh, thinking about it or uh, just don't watch it. Don't care if it's even for free. Just don't bother. Just don't bother don't tweet about it don't nothing just don't and i'm saying this when i'm just about to do an article on it but i'm I'm doing this as a warning listen to me now believe me later on 
That's all this is, okay? So this is an article by Barney Roney. Um, it says, Logan Paul versus uh, Floyd Mayweather is a payday boxing must treat with caution. So let's just jump right in, because I have an easy opinion on this. But, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just act like this matters. The phrase, uh, person X has a punchable face, is a horrible thing. There is so much wrong with it. The idea that people have any say in what their face looks like. The suggestion punching is an acceptable human response. It's degrading, it's cowardly, it stinks of all the worst parts in the internet, humankind's angriest medium. And yet, with all due advisories, and having considered soberly all available evidence, it has to be said that Logan Paul really does have a punchable face. This is not an insult. Um, he says, look above, I have one too. And, no, Barney, to be honest, you're, you're shitting on yourself, bro. You don't have a punchable face. Um, if you delivered a very, like, egotistical smile, then maybe. But um, I don't think your, you know, general face is punchable. So, you know, don't, don't shit on yourself, Barney. You are not on the local pool level of punchable, okay? Don't worry about yourself. You're fine. You're good. You're in the cl- you're in the club of not punchable. Um, in fact, it's a comp- I wonder if I have a punchable face. That's actually mad fascinating. Like, do do, do you think do do other people do do people think they have a punchable face? Does Logan Paul think he has a punchable face? Uh, uh, that's that's fascinating. That's a survey. That's a social survey that somebody needs to carry out. Please, someone do that for me. And and also let me know, guys, if I have punchable face. Let me know. Um, in fact, it's a compliment and a key part of his brilliant success. Paul is an American YouTuber, age twenty six. He's worth nineteen million dollars. Fuck off, really, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, the grift. Um, he does skits, vlogs, bits. Uh, he flies around the world. He hangs out with models. And as of this week, he's scheduled to fight Floyd Mayweather in Miami in June. An exhibition bout against one of the greatest pound-for-pound boxers of the age. It might not qualify as, an act- as actual sport, uh, but Paul V. Mayweather is still an alarming, in an alarming twist for professional boxing. Arguably the biggest fixed date in the prize fight calendar. Major, uh, mainly it's a major triumph for Paul, whose entire persona is based on the expertly monetized interaction of technology and his own strangely quali- strange quality of Moorishness. <laughs> strange quality of Moorishness. Now, I want, I want less-ish, less-ish, less-ishness of him. You know what I mean. I want him to fucking go. I don't care. I, I, he is not Moorish at all. He is the opposite of Moorish. He is the antithesis of Moorish to me. But continue on. Paul doesn't have any obvious talents. He looks like a corrupt Roman emperor disguised as a truck driver. But whatever it is these days, he's got it. And it is, re- it is worth remembering YouTubers aren't really a new thing. They're essentially light entertainers. A throwback to the old generalists, uh, old generalists, people who do a bit of everything and are basically fun to watch just goofing around. They need to be instantly consumable to look good or rather distinct, punchable, clickable, or a four-inch square on a four-inch square of screen. Uh, yeah, four-inch. Okay. Um, combine this quality with a platform that keeps demanding more, uh, and it's not surprising Paul has ended up right at the baseline—a kind of human screen button. A one-touch face punch review generator. Do people actually hate watch people? Like, what are you guys doing with your lives? Like, legit. What are you guys doing? Like, I, I don't care. I just don't care. If I don't like you, I'm not going to indulge in you. Like, I don't hate listening to Drake. Right? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not doing that. Like, I just... I don't I don't care. Just don't bother. Just don't force me... Don't force feed me this person. That's all I ask. Like, the, the, the internet economy sometimes just you know, rewards people for hate-watching. It's just like, no. Or, or forces, or, you know, encourages hate-watching. I'm like, no, I don't want to hate. I just want to like what I like and move the fuck on with my life. What's wrong with that? I'm not hate-watching Logan Paul. I give a fuck about Logan Paul. Anyway, continuing on. And good luck to him in his disruptive and no doubt hugely enjoyable personal journey. But, it's a still, but it is still a troubling prospect for boxing, which really does need to do something about all of this. YouTubers and boxing has already an established sideshow. Side what for his own KSI? <sighs> I don't know if I told you guys this, but I was I was literally a fan of KSI like right at the beginning, like when he was just doing FIFA videos, MNEK, Heskey. Like looking back at it now, that shit has not aged a fucking bit. It, well, actually, yeah, it, it has aged. It has aged a ton of bit. It has aged horribly. It has aged like goat's milk. It's it's oh my gosh, cringe. I can't believe I was into that, and I was, and I'm a mixed race kid, imagine a white kid, which is probably his fan base, like, watching that shit from back in the day, like, go watch his old videos, and then imagine you're a white kid, fuck, the the comment, the social commentary on all of that is long, 
Um, anyway, continuing on. Waffer's own uh, KSI was Paul's first opponent in the ring. Logan's younger brother, Jake. Paul is on the same tuba boxer rapper actor path. Oh, the rapping. Oh, God, the rapping. Uh, other YouTubers are urgently, urgently saying about Rice Gum versus Bazinga. Anyone? I, the fact that I know these names um, still depress me. Um, but anyway, TikTokers and YouTubers are all set for a mass square off. It is hugely tempting for the established structures of professional boxing to simply wave all this in. Uh, what with the ready-made platform and the vast sums to be made from a thing that doesn't even have to sell itself. Actual boxing, actual boxing involves risking your life to get paid. What's to be lost from a little high-value pantomime? Mike Tyson, for one, welcomes this new frontier, and Tyson is right in many ways. This is energy and interest and relevance for a sport that can at times feel like an improbable hangover. Just take the bright, shiny, rich thing. When the world gives you YouTubers, make YouTube. But there is a deeper problem with YouTubers pretending to be boxers. The one great strength of boxing is that it's real. It may be dirty and muddy. It can be grotesque and absurd, carried along by dubious people and dubious regi- regimes. But when all that noise dies away, what remains is still oddly pure. A thrilling act of bravery and gymnastic art. Boxing is also incredibly difficult. The level of skill and heart required to do it properly is one of the marvels of professional sport. This is part of what has kept it rolling along, despite the fact it runs counter to all modern notions of well-being and approved conduct. People want to feel things, to see human extremity, human ultimacy, and boxing will make you feel things. Except now we have this, fakers, stolen legitimacy, and a genuinely dehumanizing article, uh, spectacle. Sorry, Context is everything here. A boxer fights because he or she has the skill to make this act of consensual violence a controlled, worthy spectacle. This is the job, a way of earning a living, and yes, finding some kind of glory. Why is a YouTuber fighting? They have not climbed this ladder. They're fighting because people let them, and because yet more money can be made from an industry that will do anything to get that finger to click. Another punch to the four-inch face. Another ping of the dollar sign. Watch me hurt myself now, and don't forget to like. It is frustrating, because there is some really excellent actual boxing in prospect. Josh Professor Fury is even supposed to happen at some point, although, given they fought twice between them in the past 18 months... There is an unfortunate star vacuum here into which Paul Mayweather threatens to insert itself. Can you imagine, really, the horrific spectacle of Mayweather somehow getting knocked down by this great lunk of braggadly ambition to whom he's given up £50 in 18 years? This is one answer. Boxing must apply its strictest possible standards to these hungry outsiders. If you want to fight within the tent to enjoy the trappings, the sheen of authenticity... Then getting a ring, uh, getting a ring with someone who's ready and prepared to make it real. The other option is to reject and denounce these theatricals. This easy, destructive new source of revenue, just because something can happen, doesn't mean it has to. What an irony that it isn't boxing's violence or its cowboy governance that threatens to take it into a weird place. It's light entertainment, the digital mush, the law simply clicking on the most punchable face in your eyeline. That was a very poetic write-up by Barry, Barry, uh, Barney. Shout, shout out to Barney right now. That was a, that was a, that was a fun read. I, I enjoyed reading that. It was very poetic. That was the way I was reading that. I felt, I felt poetic reading it. That was, that was very nice. Um, yeah. So obviously this is more commentary on Logan Paul's side of things. But I also want to, you know, throw in the wrinkle of the fact that it's Floyd fucking Mayweather, right? So obviously, you know, Floyd Mayweather, fifty and zero, right? He, the undefeated, like, you know, undisputed, right? The reason why Floyd Mayweather got all of those, all, all that money, and, um, you know, all of those, uh, you know, the highest grossing fights, right? Even the Manny Pacquiao one, which was just, like, years too late. Like, it was just pointless at that point, right? People still paid, right? And the reason why is because Floyd Mayweather, through all his fuckery and, you know, capitalistic bullshit attitude towards life, which fucks me off no end, right? The the biggest credit I can give him is that as, you know, uh, vaudeville villains go, he is fucking good at it. He is really, really good at it. Like, stupidly good. He knows how to piss you off, regardless of who you are. He is absolutely donny at it. He's, uh, he's the king of it. And, you know, 
everyone wants Mayweather to loot. Like once Mayweather got that, you know, got to that precipice of just like, you know, being being the best, right? Um, you know, f- factually, let's be real, right? Objectively, he's really, really good at boxing, right? And obviously, the way he boxes isn't fun, right? It's not him throwing hands, like you know, everyone wants to see a knockdown drag out, like everyone's fucking face being punched in. That's why MMA is so fun. That's why I pref- I personally prefer MMA to boxing because you know you're just gonna you're bound to see someone's face getting smashed in more 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 often than not, right? And that's what we're here for, right? We're here for blood, are we not? Yes, yes we are. Let's be real. We're here for blood, right? And there is an art to it. There's an art to MMA. If you if you want to see like the real the real uh, freaky shit, go see like stuff like UFC one, like go see UFC when it initially began. Like that's some freaky shit, and it's kind of just that's freak show. Right, that, that's literally freak show. Like just having like a sumo wrestler fight a fucking hundred pound karate dude. Like it's just, it's freaky. It's just weird. Um, but now, bro, yeah, MMA is, ooh, yeah, tasty, tasty market right there. Anyway, I'm getting past myself. So you know, Floyd Mayweather's made this career of just like being like the dude that everyone wants to lose, but they, but they know it's, you know, everyone wants to bet on him to lose, but he's always gonna pull it out somehow, right? And this is just. This is it. This is this is the the peak grift. This is the peak grift for both. Like Floyd Mayweather's not gonna lose, right? He's not gonna lose, right? And Logan Paul's gonna lose. Uh, Logan Paul's gonna take the L, but they're all gonna go away with a healthy, healthy, healthy bag of money, and we can't say nothing about it because we know it's gonna happen. But I urge you guys, please, please do not pay any attention to this because it's fucking grift. Save your money. Save your time. Because time is more valuable than money, in my opinion. Save your time. Don't bother watching this. It's nothing. It's nothing. It is, it is, it is douchebaggery pantomime. It is literally just a pantomime of two douchebags in different ways. And they're here for it because they know the game. They know that you don't. They know that you know the game, but for some reason, you sometimes just go for it. Why? Why? What are you expecting? Are you really expecting someone's head to get knocked off? I don't get it, guys. Why? Please answer me that question. Why? I kind of don't care, but you know, ask me why. I'm. I'm I, I just don't I just don't get it sometimes. Like this is so clearly a grift. Like there's no clearer grift in the world than this. Literally there's none. Like this is this is like hustle. This is the exact opposite of hustle. If you've seen hustle, please go see hustle. It's a great fucking show. Absolute hidden gem. Really throwback shows. I like, started in like oh five, but it's so good. Oh, so good. Hasn't aged a bit, it's glorious. Um Yeah man. It's it's a grift. Like this is just a payday. Like why? Why? If you want to give them money, just fucking give them your fucking bank details. Like just, I <laughs> might as well. Like just, just send me your bank details, mate. Like just, what's the point? Save, save the time and just give them your bank details. Do it now. Do it now. Just give me your bank details. Let them take what they want. I like just DM them your bank details. Put it, on, put it in the YouTube comments of Logan Paul's video. That might you just you'll you'll just get you'll just get it done faster. Don't don't bother till June. Just do it now. I, I I just don't I just don't see why I just don't see what you guys are expecting here. This is a grift. We know what's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen. It'll probably end up in a draw, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it'll probably just end up in a draw. So nobody loses. But everybody wins. Except you. Because you put some time and or money into this. And if you did, similar to what I said in the last episode. Get your head checked. I move on to the final segment of the show, and I'm just a little bit annoyed for several reasons, but partly just because I am learning so much about the American cinema system that kind of disgusts me. But before we get into that, we shall introduce uh, Miss Tishon Pugh, who is hosting uh, five new 5 VPN original Black Room Watch. It's our first serial 
under the network. I am EPing it and she is doing literally the rest. Uh, welcome to Sean. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. I just don't want to eat hot food in the fucking cinema. <laughs> it's not as bad as you make it seem because i'm not <laughs> eating wings i don't want people eating wings while i'm trying to watch a film it's weird like it's, yeah. i don't want smells i don't want nandos <laughs> in my in my like while i'm watching like you know mortal Kombat or something you know what i mean like nah, yeah they be eating I'm, <laughs> I'm not here for that sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah all right well is what it is. I'm I'm st- I'm stuck here paying three times as much as what you're paying for a for for a freaking cinema ticket. Oh yeah. It, it's it's all happened. It's all happened. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> Shall I get to the topic at hand? Uh, we obviously here to uh, promote Black Women Watch, uh, which has already started, already begun. Season one uh, started this past Monday. Episode two next Monday, and hopefully going through on a weekly basis every Monday. 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Yep. Uh, but before we get into that, we shall get into uh, the host and what she is about. So, hi, Tish, again. Hi. Let the people know what you're about, where you're from, what you do at the moment. And, uh, yeah, we'll obviously get into that uh, more later on. But intro. Yeah, I, I hate <laughs> intros. <laughs> I never know what to say um, about myself, but this is as far as I go. Um, I am from the great state of Georgia, but I currently live in South Carolina, so this great southern region of the United States of America. Um, I'm currently an undergrad anthropology student studying visual and cultural anthropology um, with a minor in film, and I am just struggling trying to get through finals the last day, but I swear it just feels like the longest day Ever. I agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> for different reasons. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so um, anthropology, which I um, obviously am aware that you do, and uh, I find it quite fascinating of just like uh, how it's not, I guess, more popular. Because the only time I've just realized this, the only time I've actually heard of the term anthropology is from Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, for which, for those that don't know, is like a sitcom from the early '90s, featuring John Lithgow and like a ten-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> epic show, epic show, absolutely classic. I will, sim- I will watch that right now if it if it was being shown anywhere. Um, but yeah, that's literally the only because it was um, Albright's uh, uh, profession, and the whole f- whole running joke was uh, of how I guess garbage of a subject it, it was. Oh or is. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, they were popping shots for some reason. So, um, I'll ask you, uh, why do you find anthropology so interesting? Um, well, I've always been interested in anthropology. I just didn't know what the word was for it. So, one of my role models in life is um, Zora Neale Hurston, and she is an amazing, or she was an amazing um, writer and just person overall but what I realized I was reading one of her autobiographies and I didn't realize that she basically her whole life was traveling around the south and traveling around the world and conduct um, conducting interviews and collecting stories and, and recipes and songs and just putting them into books and preserving basically black southern culture and like black culture in general and I was like that's what I want to do. And I remember the moment where I was like, this is what I want to do, but I don't know what this is. And um, I was listening to someone just kind of go through her life and they said cultural anthropologist. And I was like, oh, so that's what that is. And I started doing some more research on my own. And that's when I just came to the point where I was like, this is what I want to do with my life. Like I want to do exactly what she did and then just somehow incorporate visual, um, like a visual aid in that. And so uh, just, yeah, I just love talking to people and hearing what they have to say because you will be surprised by what you will find out by just talking to someone and the kind of stories that they have. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like um, in the limited times I've interviewed people, like the, I I, I like the uh, picture painting, so to speak, aspect Mm. of it, of just like, uh, this is is this person 
I want to help them paint their own picture of what they are and going through like, you know, albeit in the space of an hour or whatever, of just what they're about, mm-hmm. how they got here and, you know, what they enjoy and stuff like that. But yeah, I can I can get behind anthropology, I guess. It's not it's not trash as a third no. from the sun <laughs> has previously uh, told me. It's not trash and Believe it or not, like a lot of what we do, a lot of what we experience is anthropology. So, you know, the way that you talk, you know, like you have an accent and I have an accent, like that's anthropology, like that's linguistics, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about how we got here, the infrastructures, the ground that we literally live on, like that's also anthropology. So a lot of people don't realize that everything we are and everything we do is somewhat tied to anthropology but they just don't realize it is it anthropology for the person that used to live in this house to not tell us about things that are shit about this house um in your professional opinion (laughs) that's something totally different but i will say depending on how long your house has been standing if those walls could talk they would have (laughs) probably some horrible stories but regardless they would have stories so that's they, important they, 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 funny enough speaking of walls it's great you talk about walls because it's funny because they literally are they're gaps in the freaking walls that is great it's great not having cavities in the walls i love it i, I love i love how the wind blows through practically my room like i can literally hear it going through the house so they're definitely talking to me exactly so i'm, I'm see there yeah you go, it's great Charlie. it's great <laughs> perfect you said that perfect absolutely perfect anyway uh uh that's another story for another day um obviously uh well for those who don't know uh black women watch is a film podcast mm-hmm. uh talking about uh certain films for every episode breaking them down in certain aspects of uh, why you personally enjoy them which i which i'm i'm, I'm kind of uh, now i'm thinking about it i kind of rate because objectively rate because you know, the reason why I do this show is because it's just talking about stuff I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And clearly from, you know, the first episode that you've already done, you're talking about things that you enjoy. And that's kind of just like the, uh, the best possible thing about anything is like, if you enjoy something there and you can literally talk about it for, (laughs) for hours, um, then why not do so? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Which is, which is good. Um, so Getting into uh, the film side of it, um, what drew you to uh, start a film podcast? Um, Well, I just recently got into the whole audio world. Um, I was heavily against listening to audiobooks. I just thought they were super weird. I was like, I don't know why. I don't. I, just, I don't know. I just felt like it was really uncomfortable listening to someone read a book to me. I don't, I just, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it until um, I started working basically on my own. And I was listening to a lot of music, but I was like, nah, this music is not hitting like it used to. I need something else to like occupy my time, occupy my mind. Um, and so that's when I really got into the whole podcast scene. So I kind of started off with, you know, the whole true crime thing, but that just made me really anxious and paranoid. And I was like, I don't want to sit here (laughs) for eight hours listening to how someone was murdered in their house. Um, Uh Next. (laughs) And so um, I started Uh getting into like languages and just like different things that were going on around the world that I didn't know about. And essentially I just kind of landed on movies. And so I started listening to people talk about movies, um, break down movie scripts, all that sort of things. And I was like, I feel like I could do something like this. And I tried to to do it before on YouTube. Uh, it was a flop. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was like, maybe I'll just try it in a different sense. And I needed a new quarantine hobby. So here we are. That's what's up. That's what's up. Do you know the first audio book you listen to? Um, shoot. It's called Ghost Radio, actually. Yes, it's called Ghost Radio. And it's about this guy, funny enough, who has... Um, his own radio show, but they're like, things are starting to happen, and it's just a really blurred line between like what's real and what's not real. So I literally spent almost like eleven hours just listening to that book, and it's it's really huh. good. I I highly recommend it. It's really good. Just checking. <laughs> um, okay, that, that's okay. All right, don't tell me this. Uh, tell me this about that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
So, uh, moving swiftly on, um, let's talk about uh, Black Moon Watch specifically mm-hmm. and uh, the first season, which is uh, eight episodes mm-hmm. so far or just on the docket for you? Eight episodes so far. See, this is why I wanted to split it up into different seasons because knowing me, I would just go on and on and on and on and on and I would never stop. So I was like, I need to organize this and tailor this because if you couldn't hear it from the first episode, uh, I self-diagnosed with ADHD and it is very, very prevalent and (laughs) obvious. So in order to keep myself um, organized and on track, I'm like, okay, we're going to do eight episodes. We're going to do in that one season and then we're just going to move on. Um, But yeah, it's eight episodes for now, but I think that's pretty solid. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's solid. So we're just we're just gonna get to eight, and then like, there's like what another eight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, it, that's that's good. Um, we'll we'll lock it down another at some point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I'll, I'll I'll if 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 need be, I'll jump in and just go. That's that's enough. Yep, Next yep. season, that's fine. Um, but, <laughs> um, but for the first season, uh, you are doing sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, Briefly, uh, why sci-fi? I love sci-fi um, mainly because you can do whatever you want to do in sci-fi. I can make up a complete crock of crap and nobody would be able to tell me that's not historically correct or that doesn't happen right, this yeah. way in real life. And I'm like, well, it doesn't uh-huh. matter if it happens this way in real life because it's sci-fi. So you can break a lot of rules. And I just feel like as a black woman, um, we're kind of told like what to do and I also like uh, historical movies and it's always a thing, well, black people weren't around back then. I'm like, black people existed, you know, through time. But anyway, um, so just with sci-fi, I could be who I want to be and do whatever it is that I want to do. I've, I'm interested in the concept of like uh, how some people talk about sci-fi in the scope of like fantasy mm-hmm. and whether it, you know, obviously... I've thought about this when it comes to like music and stuff where like, you know, genres don't exist and some people can be very extreme with that kind of, you know, talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do find the, you know, sci-fi is fantasy or fantasy is sci-fi. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, probably the other way. Um, you know, they're, they're both basically the same thing because, mm-hmm. you know, if, if for something like Game of Thrones, for example, that's, you know, fantasy. Obviously, there are some things that they take from, like, you know, the Middle England kind of yeah. thing going on, whatever you want to call that. Middle Earth, uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, not call it. Um, you know, that's that's fantasy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the same thing for, like, Star Trek, Star Wars, all of that, all of that stuff. Um, minor tangent is May 5th. And I don't know about you, but I find the May 4th thing mad corny but, um, <laughs> of just like seeing grown adults like show, uh... tell me the May the 4th be with you. And I'm just like, get on with your life, please. But anyway, continuing on, just oh, wanted to go, go like that without no no argumentative talk towards that. Thank you. Mm. No response. Um, completely rhetorical. Um, you know, obviously that kind of stuff I find is in some way fantastical as well. Mm-hmm. So... As a person who loves sci-fi, and I assume fantasy as well, do you consider them mutually exclusive, or...? Uh, well, I don't know. I, I guess it just depends on what you're looking at and how they approach it. Um, so, for example, if you think about, I don't know, like Harry Potter, um, I, I would classify it more of of fantasy than sci-fi just because to me sci-fi is more about like the outer world um and in terms of like the universe like we're not stuck on earth i guess if i should say like how i always used sci-fi was things taking place kind of like outer earth we're moving outside of the regular sphere that we've known um, for so long, but I don't know. I guess it really just depends on who's doing it and how they're doing it. Um, but because I, I think shows like The Witcher or um, Game of Thrones, I think they tend to lean more on fantasy than sci-fi. Because I, I just feel like there's like a, a clear distinction between the two, but I can't really like pinpoint what it is. But it's something that you can see when you when you watch something. 
I guess it's like use of sometimes being factually correct in some ways. Yeah. Mm. But then again, you can apply that to all film where like, you know, that that's, you can have a biopic, but then 50% of it actually happened. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I, I was spending, I was spending while you were talking trying to find this uh, chart I found that was like a, uh, all Harry Potter spells mentioned in the films oh and it was God. like ranking them in terms of <laughs> use. Mm-hmm. Expelliarmus was not first and I was very surprised about really? that. Really? Yeah, it was like fourth. Funny Shocker. Enough. <laughs> not even mm. top three. Dang, that's... Not even top, not even top three. Mad, mad thing. <laughs> Does it? Okay. <laughs> to those who, who care about it, I, I feel like that, that has to... I mean, is that a thing? Is that a cultural thing that Harry Potter fans care about Expelliarmus? Like, oh yeah, I I feel like there are definitely people who's like liking stuff like Star Wars or Harry Potter or Game of Thrones or like that's their whole personality. And like, I'm all for that. That's not me. But yeah, there are people who take this stuff very very seriously, super seriously. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Like you mentioned okay. the the May the Fourth be with you, and I think it's cute. I think it's cute. Do I go around saying, ha ha, I'm in the 40 with you? No, but... It's cute. It's... To to each his own. To each his own. Yeah. Uh, uh, Okay. I don't want to fight any Star Wars fans later on. I mean, mean, come for me, guys. It's fine. At me. Like, I'm just saying. Like, it's... it's For one thing, it's a film. And, like, another thing, like, you're... I, I don't know. I just don't find holidays... That like that it, it, it's just a consumerist day basically. It's just that you know, not to get too political, but like mm. you know, you're just you're just finding a reason to cop Star Wars shit. Like, just say that. Like <laughs> don't don't give me this spiritual meaning to the fact it's May Fourth and it sounds like Force. I'm sorry, don't even bother. <laughs> anyway, oh boy. are we doing Star Wars on Black Women Watch? Oh, we are. We are. I'm gonna plug that right okay. now. So uh, trust me when I say you'll you'll get my feelings about. <laughs> about star wars that's funny i don't even know that's great all right well look forward to that guys um (laughs) i'll be i'll be on that i'll be on that one no i won't be i'm joking just don't want to root for you guys but anyway um uh do you uh do we do do, would you like to say what uh episode two is obviously drop in next week oh yes now i had a lot of fun with this movie but episode two will be focused on a and i mean i just feel like air horns should be going off um i don't know why it's taken me so long to watch this movie it's been in my queue forever but i finally just sat down and i pressed play and i was like this this is great this is definitely like on my list of like top sci-fi films that you have to watch like ever period so i'm excited to talk about it fully (laughs) cosign fully 100 percent uh yeah, I can't. I, can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait. Obje- objectively and subjectively, cannot. Be wait. on the lookout for my my UK voice, <laughs> bro. <bruv. laughs> All right. That's, that's a clue. That's a clue, guys. That's a clue. That's a clue. All right. That's be that's on a, the that's lookout. A good, that's a good clue. That's a solid clue. And uh, as a person that, for some reason, just uh, uh, it's one of my favorite pastimes, hearing Americans do a British accent. It's the best. It's, it's just great. You it thought is. you heard something with Don Cheadle. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, stick it right up. Love it. Love no. it. Love it. Love it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for the butchering. It's mm. it's, it's funny to me. I just, I just love it. Mad butchering. Look, mad butchering, bro. <laughs> <laughs> know that. Know that. <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Well, that's a great way to end it. Uh, <laughs> Since you have finally come onto the podcast after a year of asking, uh, which is great. You only had to uh, b- uh, develop a-, a podcast from the ground up and put it through my network to do so, um, which uh, I guess is uh, the cutoff for most of the people to come through. <laughs> Shout out to Ryan as well, I guess. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thanks for coming through, Tish. And uh, yeah, man, all the best for the whole podcast going forward. I can't wait to... Uh, keep I don't know giving you advice <laughs> yeah. towards it I guess that's, uh, that's what I'm here for <laughs> well thank you like I said I'm, I'm such a, a huge fan you know you just seem like a man who did, does it all and I'm very appreciative of your help and letting me be a part of this 
network full of amazing people and amazing content. So thank you. It's wonderful to have you on. And ladies and gentlemen, which I leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it at there. Leave it that. Leave it. For <laughs> <laughs> the fifth and podcast network. <laughs> it's been what's good. It has been too much by Vanilla. You can thank your breakers for the ability to use a track. You can find both of their links in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy High for the ability to use Charismatic as the interlude. You can find his site in the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I'm sure we, we shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.